Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello and welcome to episode number 50 of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson. Joined, of course, by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, we're halfway to a century. Yo, thank you to all the faithful and loyal listeners who have been listening for 50 straight episodes, all the ones that have come along the way on the journey. Yo, this is fun. I saw somebody, I think it was a couple weeks ago on the Thursday morning you know, chat because we do uh, a premiere on YouTube and they were talking about how this is like the Oklahoma State Breakfast Club. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, it's like the Breakfast Club every single Thursday. Let's talk about OK State football. I like that too. Let's let's roll with it. Uh, Fifty episodes, little mini milestone. But uh, yeah, I'll see you guys when we hit hundred. So here's to fifty more. Woo! Cheers. As we've mentioned on previous episodes, we typically record on Tuesdays to release on Thursdays. So after we recorded last week, it was announced that Colorado is officially moving to the Big 12 for the 2024 season. Welcome back, Buffs. We missed you. Happy to have you home. Your mark and the Big 12 issued a two-word statement after they made it official. They're back. How do you guys feel? Yo, why is he releasing that statement like it's Michael Jordan coming back to the Chicago Bulls? I mean, it's great that Colorado was coming back. I missed them being a part of the Big 12. I, I've always said that I wish that they never would have left. And I think it's better for them <laughs> that they're actually coming back. Uh, but, I mean, let's not get it twisted. It's, it's, it's not like we're getting, you know, Clemson in the Big 12 conference talking about their back like it's MJ. Now, you know, with that being said, it's exciting, of course. A couple of weeks ago we had – um, a little episode of how, how fun would it be to see, you know, Gundy and Sanders, Deion Sanders, primetime going against one another. I want to hear that conversation in the middle of the field. So excited for all the hype that comes with that. Um, they're one of the most intriguing teams in all of college football because of the way that they are developing their team this season. So, uh, you know, it's fun to watch whenever they come here to play TCU. I'm actually planning on going over to Fort Worth and, and just checking them out in person because I think it's, uh, you know, it's intriguing. So whenever you talk about the upside value that they actually bring to the conference, I think Brett Yormark even spoke about how he wants to make sure that every team that expands into the Big 12 conference has some type of uh, alignment, uh, just alignment of the vision of where we're trying to go in the future. So, about you know three days after he said that, here we are. Uh, Colorado is joining the conference, so excited to have him back. Hopefully, we can get the whole gang together. Go ahead and bring the basket back too, man. Let's make it happen. They're back, which is uh, they're back before Texas. So good for you, Colorado. <laughs> yes, you. Colorado's back. Hey, you know what? There was um, yeah, my whole train of thought is just gone. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> Yeah. Well, 
I'll say what I was going to say. I understand the numbers game and wanting to become a 14-team conference, even though your mark has said we're not chasing numbers. As you said, Eve, we're chasing people who bring value to the conference. I am not convinced that Colorado really brings anything to the conference other than Deion Sanders and who is to say he'll be there in another year or two. You know, like what – Coaching is so fickle. People leave. I don't think anyone's really saw him going to Colorado because he was so set on Jackson State and he's there now and he could be there for 15 years. We don't know, but he could also just be there for one. I mean, looking back at Colorado in the last decade or two, they've had two winning seasons in the last 10 years. One of those was 2020. So it was a weird sort of, you know, they played six games. The other came back in 2016. They've had four winning seasons in the last 20 years. So you talk about these super conferences, you talk about the potential of a big two with the big 10 and the sec. I don't think that adding Colorado really makes the big 12 any more of a powerhouse conference. It just adds a number. I'd rather bring in a team like UConn where no, their football team has not been good in recent years. I think they're trending upward under coach Mora but they just won the national championship in basketball. They have five national championships since 1999, and at least they add value to basketball. I don't really see what Colorado does for the Big 12 other than adding a number. Yeah, I I don't know that it necessarily makes the Big 12 stronger, but it definitely does a lot to weaken the Pac-12. I mean, not necessarily Colorado alone by themselves, but what has happened with USC and UCLA and what might end up happening with that continuing domino effect. If one, three or five more teams bail from the PAC 12, Oh yeah. Join the big 12 and, or the big 10. So, Hey, I mean, I, I'm all for it. There's the nostalgia factor. We kind of hit on a couple episodes ago. I think, uh, I like the fact that Colorado is going to be coming back and joining the big 12, but, yeah, I mean, to say that the Big 12 today is a stronger conference just because we added Colorado, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Right. But, I mean, the way that I'm kind of looking at it too, Meg, is, you know, we're losing to OU in Texas, two historical blue bloods, and we're replacing them with the likes of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, now Colorado, maybe Arizona. We'll see how all that goes this week, next Four week. Four corners. But – you know, the SEC, they added essentially a combined 11 national championships between OU and Texas. And the Big Ten added, I think it was 12 national championships with USC and UCLA. So, I mean, the Big 12, we've added five teams so far, and there's like two, arguably three, if you want to count UCF's national championship in 2017. Huh. But, uh, you know, I think it might be a little bit of, uh, delaying the inevitable in a sense, if we are shifting toward that power to maybe buying some time, we'll see how it shakes out over the next, however long it takes before these, uh, media rights deals come into play, what the future of the college football playoff looks like. I mean, we, we got to see big 12, got to step your game up, you know, uh, especially hopefully <laughs> Oklahoma state, uh, just go out there, win big, Win, 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 yeah, and make yourself wish. attractive for the power too. Essentially, I mean that's that's that should be the goal. 
Yeah, I wish people would stop saying power too. And by people, I mean Justin. Uh, like, yo, what are we talking about? I, I still don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, now, you know, with that being said, uh, from a value add standpoint, Meg, I agree with you completely. I don't know what the value is. Maybe the value is that it weakens the Pac-12 and we're able to get more schools as a result of it. You know, maybe that could be it. I think there was uh, the head coach at Oregon, actually, who went out there during the press conference and he was like, yeah, what did Colorado ever win in the Pac-12? Can somebody explain to me why this is a big deal? And he said that during a press conference. So that was, you know, that was pretty funny to hear. Like they were like, yeah, I mean, goodbye, Colorado. But um, yeah, them coming over to the Big 12 conference, the biggest advantage there is probably just the nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, like that nostalgia factor is is, is pretty big. Now, strategically, um, you know, as far as, you know, the national championships that you're bringing over to the conference you know those are things of the past i think that brett yormark is more of a visionary trying to look into the future and seeing the hype and the eyeballs that are going to come as a result of primetime being the head coach so i think that's some of the things that he's looking forward to um especially because of the you know the day and age that we live in with tv with streaming uh, that absolutely is invaluable i will say this though i'm not advocating for the power to i don't want that to happen i like the way it is now or the way it has been but because of what the pac-12 has been doing essentially sitting on their hands like this is what we're shifting toward i mean we've we're essentially about to lose the pac-12 as a power five conference and we might have four for a while it might dwindle down to three if the acc drops off big 12 keeps rising up i don't know but i mean that's just just kind of what the future looks like and love absolutely love what brett yormark has done for the big 12 not diminishing that at all but i mean to meg's point we were talking about maybe you know if dion has success he might use that as a stepping stool job and just take off for somewhere else i can't imagine that being anywhere other than florida state to be honest but um, who's to say that Brett Yormark won't do the same thing and leverage what he's done with the Big 12 into something else? And then if he leaves, then I'm like, man, <laughs> what are we doing now? So, yeah, as long as they leave it better than they found it. Well, time will tell, guys. Hope we know. Could we be a 13 team conference or could there be news next week that we're adding Arizona, UConn, some of these other teams that we've been talking about? So, Wait and see. <laughs> Wait and see. We are going to continue our part two of the new Big 12 team breakdown started last week with Cincy and UCF. Next up on our Big 12 tour is Houston. We play them the week after UCF, November 18th. In Houston, they finished 12-2 and two in 2021, ranked 17th nationally, had high expectations last season, but fell short, finished 8-5, and five, still made a bowl game, but that's not what they were hoping for last year. This upcoming season, they faced one of the toughest schedules in college football. Opponents finished a combined 96-60 and 60 in 2022. Now, their head coach, Dana Holgerson, is a familiar face at Oklahoma State. He was the offensive coordinator, QB coach, for the 2010 season. Coached some players like Justin Blackman, Brandon Whedon, pretty big names there, guys. How do you feel about facing Dana Holgerson in November down in Houston. Hey, man. I mean, uh, welcome back, Coach. It's cool. I think um, it's kind of funny because it. I, I'm glad that he came to Oklahoma State and, uh, you know, morphed our offense into that air raid type of offense and kind of propelled us to the next level. 
and uh, allowed Munkin to take over from there. But um, yeah, it was it was cool to cool to have him there. He was he was integral to a big turnaround, I think, at Oklahoma State. So forever grateful to him for that. But man, when it comes to facing you on the field, hope you lose. I love you, but I hope you hope you lose. You're gonna le- need some more Red Bull, man. Just uh, no, nah, I do I do uh, I look forward to it. I think with him being in Houston uh, and in the Big Twelve, I think that there is a chance that you know. Houston is a hotbed for recruiting. They they have a chance to to take off. I think that's why maybe a lot of people were scared for Houston to join the Big Twelve. But um, I yeah, I think that he has potential. I just don't see it happening this year necessarily. I think that this will probably be a little bit of a uh, growing pain situation for him. And honestly, I think OSU absolutely needs to take advantage of that. So don't be sleeping. Don't slip up. Beat the Cougars. Yeah, um, Coach Holgerson, I mean, definitely somebody that set the foundation for what Oklahoma State was able to do in the 2010s. Um, you know, I'm I'm just really big on observing people, how they interact with others, especially from a leadership standpoint. I don't think that Coach Holgerson is uh, – yeah, I, 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 yeah, look, I'm just going to say it. All right? I don't like the guy. I don't really like Coach Holgerson. All right? But I will say this. I've known a lot of people that have worked – underneath Coach Holgerson whenever he was at West Virginia specifically. I know at least four uh, that were a part of the coaching staff in some kind of capacity. And uh, I got to say, especially in the early years, right? I think he got there in 2011. There was just not a lot of great things to say about how things were run um, under that program. And that's just big on me. I'm, I'm really, really big on that. I know that his first year at Houston was pretty good, and then they fell this past season. Now, I'll add this. I watched almost every Houston football game last year, okay? So on Saturdays, I typically would watch college football with my little brother. I went to Oklahoma State, so we would watch Oklahoma State. He went to the University of Houston, so we would watch Houston. So I saw almost every Houston football game. You can go and you can read the stats and you can read the numbers. You can look at the records and everything like that. But there are certain things that you can't really quantify. You just have to see it for yourself. Every single Houston football game. Here's what was so interesting. They never in any one of those games put together a full game where they just performed well for four quarters straight. Like it would either be, hey, we start strong, we give up the lead in the middle of the game, and then we come back and we win the game at the end of the game. Or it would be like, okay, we're, we're sucking it up, and then boom, we come back and we, w- we win in the fourth quarter. There was never a full just four quarters strung together. And check this out. If you look at just their, their, their scoreboards, right, if you look at the games that they won and lost last season, first game of the season, triple overtime, second game, double overtime. You know, a couple weeks later, you're going to overtime. The week after that, you win by one point. A couple weeks later, it's like you lose by, by a blowout to SMU. And then it's these high-scoring games. It's these overtime games where they don't know how to finish strong. It's these other games where they, they, they you know, they blew out, you know, East Carolina. But, you know, it's East Carolina. And then after that, to end the season, it's a one-possession game where they lose to Tulsa. It just always felt just like something is going to go wrong at some point this year. And they're losing Tank Dell, their star wide receiver. And they lost their 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 QB as well. So all these things happening all at once, I think their defense is going to take a, a hit back. And not to mention that they're playing better competition this season. I don't think Houston's going to be that great of a football team, and I'm anticipating that we will expose them in uh, in multiple ways. Wow. 
hope you're I right. Think, um, I think one of the things to watch for, too, they lost their offensive coordinator. So Holgerson's going to assume the offensive coordinator responsibilities again. So. Evie mentioned yeah. they lost their quarterback. And there's a quarterback competition there this year. Donovan Smith transferred in from Texas Tech. He's competing with sophomore Lucas Coley. Smith is projected to be the front runner and win the starting spot. He had almost 2,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 21 games with Texas Tech. We did not face him last year. We faced Tech's backup. But the interesting thing about Smith. But we did face him the year before. 2021 we did face him and held him under 100 yards so there you go we blanked texas tech 23 nothing great game thank you malcolm rodriguez i miss you (laughs) now i will say look for a long time like the big 12 conference just did not want houston because it's such a huge recruiting hub i mean shoot i remember whenever i was at oklahoma state especially my freshman and sophomore year it felt like every starter on our defense was from houston (laughs) you know you have roger brown you had ori lemon yet all these guys were from down there even peacocks being from waco texas not too far away and it was just like okay kind of far though yeah well yeah it it, it was like an hour and a half away like it's not that far i just want to hate on houston bro <laughs> but yeah, hey, great food city. I will say, great food city, top three food city in the United States. But um, you know, them coming into the Big Twelve Conference, as long as we're able to keep our foot on their necks, we should still be able to recruit out of that city. They have a quarterback battle, but they are returning their leading rusher, Stacy Sneed. He had five hundred one yards, five touchdowns last year. They've also added Brandon Campbell. They also have Brandon Campbell and added West Virginia transfer Tony Mathis. So they have a decent run game. They are rich at wide receiver. Their top receiver or one of their leading receiver receivers returns. Wow. Matthew Golden, 38 catches for 584 yards and seven touchdowns last season. Added Joshua Cobbs from Wyoming and a familiar name, Stephon Johnson from Oklahoma State to their receiving core. They signed two four-star prospects. Highest rated prep signees in the modern era for the school. How do we like our DB to wide receiver matchup here? <laughs> uh, oh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I like the safeties, <laughs> but uh, corner is a little bit concerning. Not, not necessarily concerning, but the fact that it, cornerbacks are already a little bit at a disadvantage whenever they have to go up against receivers, especially in an air raid offense. Um, so yeah, you just gotta man up, man. Just gotta take care of business. Yeah. You know, one thing that I noticed about coach Holgerson is that, you know, no matter the skill level of his wide receivers, he's going to be able to scheme it up to where they get open. I remember even whenever he was at Oklahoma yeah. State, you know, typically whenever you run a chair route, for example, right, a chair route, typically, you know, you got your inside receiver that runs at a quick out and your outside wide receiver that's running a go, a nine route. And traditionally, my whole life, it's always been, hey, you look at the go first. If you see in the safety go over, then you check down to the chair route. And Coach Holgerson would say, hey, if you actually look, I want you to read that in reverse. He would have them look at that quick out first. And if that's open right now, throw it. You know, mm-hmm. that's why even though a guy like Justin Blackman was able to ball out, so was Josh Cooper as well, because a lot of those gimmies, he was take he was taking what the defense was giving him. I know that he really likes the quick passes. He really likes those tunnel screens. Um, one thing that is interesting about him, though, is that he's so known for the air raid, but people will be surprised to know that, like, 
over 50% of his play calling is our actual runs. So he likes the run game. He wants to be a, a physical team. I think that he started incorporating, and again, this is just me watching the games last season. He started incorporating tight ends and H-backs even more so than he did when he was at Oklahoma State so that he could use, utilize a heavier dose of gap schemes, uh, particularly counter. So as long as we're aware of that whenever we face that Houston team, I think that our DBs um, you know, should be able to hold their own, but so should our linebackers and our defensive line. Yeah, a lot of the uh, the offense is really just based on moving the chains, keeping the chains moving, getting first downs, and where those run plays come in is usually if you have a big play over the top, receiver catches one for a long game, you run up to the line of scrimmage real quick, snap the ball. Hopefully they're sitting on their heels and they don't have the you know guys ready to make the plays. So that's where if they are continuing to get first downs, um, we could see a lot of runs in that aspect. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he look, when it comes to creativity, he is unbelievable. He is up there with the best of them. Extremely cutting edge. I think that he's one of the people who I think, Justin, you mentioned this in the past, too. Like he still uses like a three day install and he uses the pass to set up the run. Right. So he definitely has an affinity for the passing game. Um, As we know that he was one of the people that was trained under Mike Leach in in, in that style of offense. But he brought his own flavor to it. Um, So you you definitely have to give him a ton of credit for how he is creatively. And if there's anybody that I think could, uh, you know, could know that pretty well, uh, especially how he operates, I would say that it's probably head coach Mike Gundy. I'll say Gundy over Hogerson any day. (laughs) We'll say. Their offense on paper looks solid. They have some good returners. Their defense is facing a lot more question marks than Cincinnati and UCF where we broke them down last week. Both of those defensive lines are pretty strong. However, with Houston's defense, they went from a top defense in 2021 to the 112th in points allowed allowed last season giving up uh, on average 32.2 points per game. They need to replace their top five tacklers and top two pass rushers. So how do we exploit them on offense? (laughs) How does our offense exploit their defense? (laughs) Uh, Well, it seems like they've got the blueprint kind of laid out from what we had going on. We went from a top defense to a really terrible defense. So, (laughs) um, you know, just look inside. You'll find the answer, guys. Yo, let me tell you, there's – you, you have to be as creative as he is. I think especially whenever you're doing basically an overhaul, right? They're, they're replacing their top five tacklers and their top two pass rushers from last year. So I think with that comes a lot of guys who are going to be extra aggressive, and you have to be able to, to manipulate that and use that against them. Um, I think that counters and motions um, have to be you know pretty heavy in that type of game. So, you know, it, it, you know there's a lot left to be seen. I, what week do we play them, by the way? Do you guys know? Second to uh, Houston, yeah, week mm-hmm. eleven. Oh, okay. So by that point, they might be more, uh, more disciplined. Um, you know, the new players. That is. So, yeah, they're mm-hmm. our second to last game. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> there's so much time between when we actually play them. So who knows? Who knows? Part of it is going to be depth. I think that they're just not going to have the depth especially that late in the season to be able to keep up with us. I think a lot of it will be based on being physical, making sure we can run the ball against them, keeping the clock running so that we can 
run that clock down and keep it out of their offensive hands and should be able to hold our own. Um, we're going to Houston, right? Yes. So yeah, that's, that's maybe one thing to kind of watch out for, I guess, but uh, I think a lot of guys are probably looking forward to going to play back in Texas. I think a lot of guys are from Houston. They'll be able to show out in front of all their friends and family, and oh, yeah. that'll be a cool game for them. I do also want to note that they are getting some key defensive players back, so it's not a complete rebuild on their defense. Their defensive front, they're getting Chidozi Nwanku and Cedric Williams inside in a combo of Zacchaeus Strong and Nelson Caesar, who had four sacks and 10 tackles for a loss last year, plus – OU transferred David Uogbu off the edge. He was a Big 12 honorable mention and second leading tackler for the Sooners. He's shifting from a linebacker to a pass rusher. So they do have some veterans coming back, but needing to replace their top five tacklers and top two pass rushers, these guys are really going to have to step up. Now, they're... Houston. Yo, they're getting all the Nigerians. You, <laughs> you hear all them last names? My goodness. But Houston is the hub. I don't know if y'all know that. Like, it is the hub four Nigerians that moved to the United States between Houston and DC. But yeah, I'm just reading through these last names on that roster. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. They, they're going back home, back home meeting Houston. But they're veterans from a defense that was ranked 112th. So yes. So yeah. 112. Do that what you will. I just did not want to come, you know, I wanted to acknowledge that they were getting some guys back who do have experience. So as far as the secondary goes, there's some question marks. They do have some returnees, part-time starter Jalen Emery and Alex Hogan, who missed the final seven games in 2022 with a knee injury, are returning in the secondary. They, um, people have been saying Antonio Brooks had an impressive spring, so expect him to you know, step up as a leader in that secondary. And they added Adari Halusi from New Mexico, where he was a freshman All-American. We have a lot of new faces in our wide receiver room. They have, it seems to be, some new and experienced guys in their secondary. So how do we like that matchup there, guys? Yeah, so Coach Holgerson, for whatever reason, always puts out a great DB every single year. Like, whether that was – yeah, ever since he's been a head coach, whether that's a safety or a corner, there's always a great DB that gets up, gets up, uh, uh, ends up getting drafted pretty high uh, in the NFL draft. Um, so I don't know what's up with that. But I will say in the Big 12, that almost doesn't matter as much. Like you can be a great individual player, um, but we have such great offensive minds in our conference that they're going to find a way to exploit the weakest link of that defense. You talk about you know people who are part-time starters and people who missed seven games last season. You just figure out which one of them is the worst, and you just keep attacking that individual over and over and over again. That's probably the best thing that we can do, and you can get creative. Hopefully, Casey Dunn can get creative in how he does that. That's funny you said that. I think I remember one time that like one of the starting corners went out and then Holgerson was immediately like, yeah, we're going to go after that new corner coming in. <laughs> like Every single play, yeah. Yeah, just do it until they stop it. And then I love that about him. Like, it just makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? So, um, but as far as our matchup for it, I mean, yeah, we're going to be stacking up against, uh, you know, I think this year in particular, I think we should – be more than fine um but i will say historically houston is actually pretty good um they're actually pretty similar i think to oklahoma state over the course of the last you know four or five decades um there have been a few matchups where houston's beaten oklahoma state in that time yeah. so um they're a lot closer than we think and then the fact that they've been doing it against uh maybe lesser competition 
maybe isn't that big of a deal for them because like we've been talking about Houston is able to produce those athletes, you know, just they've got that hotbed recruiting place. So, uh, you know, I think that they're going to be a formidable opponent for big 12 opponents in the future. Just maybe it'll take a little bit for them to kind of get their footing this year. Again, it's our second to last game of the regular season. So hopefully by that point we have an identity on offense. Guys are settled in and. And we're healthy. Yes. Health, mm-hmm. health is key. Yeah. I think people often forget we had an unprecedented amount of injuries last season. So health is going to be critical. Please, God, please, God, keep us healthy. I'm praying for our team every day, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our final game of the year, final game of the regular season, I should say, because we're going to make the Big 12 championship, and we're going to make a bowl game. So final game of Big 12 regular season is against BYU at home. BYU joins the Big 12 after 12 years of FBS independence. They have five consecutive winning seasons. They went 11-1, and 10-3, 8-5 in the last three seasons. How is transitioning from being an independent school for over a decade to the Big 12 different than the teams coming from the AAC like Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF? Oh, I think it was a smart move for them to go from the Mountain West to being independent because they they did schedule more formidable opponents, like yeah. more consistently. So uh, this is why I think a lot of people that – are excited about BYU joining the conferences because of that reason alone. Like they actually have been like pretty good. Um, Yeah. What I like about BYU is they're undefeated against OU two and O and they're four and one against Texas and they are zero and two versus Oklahoma state. So that is my kind of team. BOU (laughs) in Texas lose to Oklahoma state. Welcome to the big 12. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I like that Y on their helmet, right? Y for Eve. Uh, y for your mark. You know, peas in a pod. But, yeah, I think that's the reason why you go from the Mountain West to Independence, right? You go and you get that formidable schedule that you talked about, and then you almost have options afterwards whenever you can prove yourself from a national landscape um, to join a better conference. So good for them um, that, they're, that they're joining us. They're one of the teams that I'm just – I mentioned it before. I'm just really looking forward to actually getting to know their fan base. I just, yeah, there, there's nothing bad that I can say about BYU except uh, oh, we're going to whoop y'all. <laughs> fan base is pretty passionate from what I can tell. Um, one thing that's kind of cool, uh, aside from the fact that we're adding two Cougars, and we're playing both of them at the end of the year, I was uh, looking back at the list of Heisman Trophy winners and from – 1988 when Barry Sanders from Oklahoma State won. Then we go to 1989, Houston's Andre Ware. And then 1990, BYU's Ty Detmer. So three years back to back to back where we've got Oklahoma State, Houston, and BYU. Look at that. 
Did y'all see that? Well, y'all probably didn't, but Gen Z may have seen it. That viral TikTok video. Well, I don't know if it was viral, but it was a TikTok video at Big 12 Media Day where the BYU Cougar was dancing with somebody from the Oklahoma State cheer team. I think didn't it was. I send that to you guys? Yeah, yeah, Meg, you did send that to her. So, Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gen Z. <laughs> Seems, seems like they're, uh, you know, they're, they're a fan base that we can get along with, right? You know, let's get together, do some barbecue. And by the way, I've never met anybody from the Polynesian community that I never loved, that I didn't love, right? Like, just love everything that that community stands for. They got the warrior spirit and they got a peaceful, peaceful calmness about them as well. So, I don't know. Just, I just like that fan base. Much different tune than last week with UCF. You feel like BYU. Well, yeah, BYU, come on. UCF. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't want no smoke with BYU. I just like it. I will say like BYU and Houston, these teams make a little bit more sense to me in my head. Geographically, it makes sense for them to join the Big 12. UCF, you're just out there, man. Like y'all just got in. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like we we're already bringing in Colorado back. So we've already got our black and gold back in the mix. Like, we might just kick y'all back out. I don't know. <laughs> Take it back down to 12. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Well, BYU is led by head coach Kalani Satake. He is entering his eighth season with the program. He is 56 and 34 overall, but 29 and 9 in the last three seasons. He has wins against programs like Baylor. They beat Baylor last season before we knew that they weren't the same team from 2021, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Tennessee. He went 6-1 and one versus Power 5 opponents in 2021. So, yo, I don't know too, too much about Satake. I like him. I think he could bring, you know, something fresh to the Big 12. I don't think we should sleep on him. He clearly – he he's – knows how to win he's done it as an independent team is he up there at the same level as some coaching legends maybe not but i you know i'm excited to see what he brings to this conference yeah like you said very very opposite tune of ucf i, I last week i said yo sleep on ucf it's a dub it's the opposite over here i definitely agree with you you cannot sleep on this BYU team, I think that they have great leadership. They are sneaky good. Look what they do against Power 5 opponents. And, yeah, the moment that you take your foot off the gas, they're going to come in and make sure that you, know, that you feel their presence. So I'm right there with you, Meg. And so they lost their quarterback again to the NFL? Is that right? Yes. Yes. And them – like and their leading rusher and their leading receiver. Yeah, so their offense last year averaged 31.3 points per game. But, yeah, they lost their, their three biggest playmakers. Mm -hmm. Well, like BYU, they just kind of stick out in my mind as one of the programs that can, like is pretty good at producing quarterbacks. Like um, just maybe like since the 80s, I guess. I mean, Steve Young is kind of the first one that I think of, and I'm probably forgetting – Guys, even before that, I think actually Steve Young went to BYU. Did Coy, you said Ty Detmer. Did Coy Detmer also go there? I don't know. Yo, I had no idea Steve Young went to BYU. I have no idea why I didn't know that. <laughs> That's so crazy. did Steve Sarkeesian, who's coaching oh, at Texas wow. now. So Yeah, I didn't know that. That's BYU kind of has like a sneaky good roster of like crazy sneaky great history. Like, yeah, like the like legendary college football guys. I don't know. Um, but what I was saying, I mean, Zach Wilson, I know he's in the NFL with, with the jets. Um, so yeah, they, we, they've got some, yeah, that's not, 
As of like recently though, but like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like this is an NFL quarterback, like it it maybe, you know, between him, between him and like Mason Rudolph, I mean, who, who would you want to have on your roster right now? I think Zach Wilson probably has a little bit more upside being a younger quarterback and, yeah, I wholeheartedly and disagree. I'm talking with that to there. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> you just look at what the two of them have done. Zach Wilson couldn't pass for 100 yards. What are we talking about? Zach Wilson, whose offense what, had in the rain? yards and a half against the Patriots. That that Zach Wilson. That Zach Wilson. That's but you know what? This yeah, we ain't here to trash Zach. We're talking Wilson. about NFL quarterbacks here. So um, he is back. Yeah, maybe. Now whenever. I will say this new QB that they added, right? Kadon Slovis, right? Transfer out of the University of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, week one started whenever he was at Pitt, but it, it just did not look good for him. Threw for less than 2,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And, you know, of course, you know, he, Jordan Addison transferred from Pitt to go to USC, so he didn't have that talent. But you're plugging him into this team who is admittedly thin at receiver. Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts are both back, but none of them, uh, you know, were necessarily, you know, stand out ish type of players last season so um you know hill hill had you know 15.9 yards per catch last season so that's probably something somebody that you'd have to contain so if you can zero in on him from a defensive standpoint then you should be able to keep the defense uh, pretty contained not sure what to expect from their transfer running back um aiden robbins but you know there's there's just so many things to figure out with this byu team but you definitely cannot sleep on them hmm I mean, yeah, I don't know about these receivers, to be honest. I know they're tall, like both of them are 6'4", but sounds like they're explosive. We'll have to be solid up front to be able to stop the run, get pressure on the quarterback, not rely on our safeties coming up, and they need to be able to commit to staying back and you know, staying a little bit deeper to be able to defend that long ball. So um, I think BYU will probably be able to take it off the top on a few of these teams, but don't let it be us. Don't let it be us, please. What's interesting about this matchup, too, is that it's the last game of the season. And over the past few years, you know, back in 2021, our last game was against OU. And that determined who played in the Big 12 championship based on records and everything. That was a determining factor where this game can also have those implications. But because you're not playing everyone in the Big 12, it's going to be interesting to see the domino effect of other teams and records and what it all means, because it's not like, Oh, we need to beat BYU. It could be one of those things where, you know, if BYU wins, but this other team loses, we could still be it. You know, it's going to just be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And it's the last week of the season where there could just be a lot more on the line and it could be a, you need this win to get to the championship. So I'm excited for this one, guys. I'm excited. I'm excited for BYU. Well, you pick them to win the Big 12, right? You pick, to play I in the pick them to be in the championship, and I'm going to stick yeah. with that. Don't sleep on BYU. I, I so mean, do you I, think we could possibly be playing them back-to-back weeks then, us us against them in the, in the last week of the season, and then us against them again in the Big 12 title game? Yes. So I, I want to say that I initially – this was like months ago when we did our way-too-early Big 12 predictions – after the schedule release, I think I had K State and BYU in there. Uh, and because I was unsure about the Cowboys, there was a transfer portal, there was a lot of stuff going on. However, after talking to a bunch of the guys over the last few weeks, like the attitude and the mentality in that locker room, I think the Cowboys are coming out knowing they have something to prove. Several of them had Love said that. last year was rough. We're not looking back. 
We're looking forward. It's Big 12 championship or bust. I straight up asked them what needs to happen in order for this season to be considered a success. And they said Big 12 championship and a natty. You know, we want championships and other anything else than that. This season is a failure to them. So I feel, you know, every team says that every team says they want to make the conference championship. Every team wants, you know, says they want to make the national championship. But just the vibe, the body language, you know, you talk to them. How do you feel about the turnover in the locker room? They are unbothered by it. They, everyone has said the guys who are here are the guys who want to be here. You know, people have alluded to sort of some negativity in a sense. They didn't use that word, but they've alluded to that in the locker room last season. And I think that there has just been a culture shift between December and now and I think we're going to see it on the football field and I think that they're going to play with the chip on their shoulder so I'm putting the pokes in the Big 12 championship against BYU let's go let's <laughs> go nice. BYU man they got the yeah I got, got the Latter-day Saints on their side I got the Mormons on their side I'm just like we, our, our prayers got to be strong that week guys we got to make sure that we that, that we can operate them so I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying random things right now really? I like BYU really quickly on the defense they fired almost their entire defensive staff last season they ranked 97th in points they ranked 94th in yards allowed allowing about 408 yards per game so Gundy wants to increase our run game let's just run all over them this season guys hey but they do have a looks like a pretty solid middle linebacker and he wears number two so Probably pretty good. Ben Bywater. It's fine. Pretty dang good. Then by water. 98 tackles, three interceptions last season. I'm not concerned because he's one guy. That's all he's got. One guy. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, by water, you're going to be sitting still when you come <laughs> to still water. That's right. That's right. Getting run hey. over. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I mean, yeah, I don't really have much to say about their defense. It seems like um, we just we, we don't know anything, right? <laughs> we just don't know anything. You have Jay Hill, who is their defensive coordinator. Uh, based on the experience from him, he runs a 4-3 type of defense. So uh, there's still much to be seen about how he's going to be using the defensive um, uh, personnel. But, um, you know, he was a Pro Bowl safety. Uh, wait, no, scratch that. No, he he coached Pro Bowl safeties um, in the NFL. He played in the NFL himself, actually. So um, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know what to make of this guy. He's a former head coach at Weber State, so he's probably got some pretty good leadership, can galvanize some troops, but – um, you know, let's see what he does in the Big 12 Conference because it is another level with offensive coaches that can exploit you. Hey, if their linebackers aren't doing well, maybe you can set your punter in here. This dude is six foot six, two hundred thirty-five pounds. What are you doing punting, man? Hey, you better go make a tackle out there. <laughs> <sighs> it's, a, it's a tall, tall punter. We'll see. Six six, two thirty-five. <laughs> Bruh, go play basketball. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Big guy, big guy. Who was it that I, I now that reminded me? I texted you guys yesterday. Oh yeah, going back, going back to uh, Houston. I completely overlooked this part. Their offensive line anchored by six a six seven three hundred fifteen pound left tackle. So you want to talk about big boys? Talk about Houston's left tackle. But that six six for a punter is also freakishly tall. So <laughs> BYU OSU is going to be the battle of the new DCs. Who will prevail? I think it reminds me of uh, reminds you of our left tackle when we were at college, uh, Justin Parker Graham, oh six seven three fifteen when he Ooh. was an all Big Twelve selection out there. So, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if he can live up to that type of hype. 
guys. Nobody can. <laughs> that is our breakdown of the four new additions to the Big 12. Can't wait to see how it all plays out because, again, we play all of them in the second half of the season, so things could be very different. Hopefully, by that point, the pokes are rolling. We have an identity, and we're just going to steamroll everybody. About 30 days. 30 days till kickoff, guys. Oh, wow. Is it really that close? Yeah. <laughs> really that Wait, far away. 30 days as, as of like Tuesday or as of like whenever this releases on Thursday? As this as of day of release. Like right. Oh, wow. That is we amazing. Are. We That's are. Because the season starts, what, September 2nd? Oh, yeah. We're right around the corner. Yep. We are. We are. It is. Hmm. It is coming. And if you need more OSU football fix, you guys can join me and by you, listeners, even Justin, on Saturday, I will be going live on OSU Max from OSU's Media Days. So I'm super excited to that. Nice. I'm going to talk to some more guys, get the inside information on the season. So if you want more OSU football and more Meg, join me on OSU Max. Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Also, uh, Rod Johnson, um, the team's director of operations, just sent an email. I just got it in my inbox saying that Oklahoma State linebacker Colin Oliver is one of 94 FBS players included on the 2023 Bronco Nagurski Trophy watch list. It was announced on Tuesday by the FWAA and the Charlotte Touchdown Club. So excited for Colin uh, going into the season, going into the season, holding it down for all of Edmund Santa Fe. And uh, yeah, excited to see what he can do as he transitions to linebacker this season. Nice. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the believe in OK state podcast presented by bet online episode 50. We appreciate you being with us each and every week. Once again, I'm Meg joined by Justin and Eve like share, subscribe, follow comment, rate, review, and of course, go Pokes! Go Pokes! Go Pokes! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.